You know, I want, there's one tradition I think we should start at Real Life Church. I think we should reinstitute hats at Easter. Hats. I think so. We need floppy hats with like flowers on them and the whole deal, right? How many are in agreement? Yes, there you go. Let's do this. Let's do this. Next year, hats will be a thing. Okay. Uh, you know, you know when COVID has started to be a real problem, not only is there hospitalizations, but my wife went out and bought this shirt for me, and it came with a mask. And here it is. There it is. Oh, man, Resurrection Day. I got great memories from Easter's gone by. You know, we, got, we raised our kids up. We became Christians in our, our early 20s. And Tina and I, after we both became Christians, we shortly after that became a couple, an item, a married couple. And that was a big deal. And 21 and 22 years old. And, uh, and we started having kids a few years later. And it was really fun to raise them up with an added meaning to the Easter buddy. Right? Okay? Where we could literally tell them where this tradition comes from. Uh, and it's all about the resurrected Christ. And uh, so today, I want to talk to you a little bit about resurrection. I want to talk to you about how God so loved you, so loved me, so loved our families that he sent his son, that whoever would believe in him, in fact, let's pull up that scripture, John three sixteen. If you got your Bibles, you might want to pull it out, but you probably already have it memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Have eternal life. You know, when I think of this God so loved, I think of uh, the love that I felt when I, we had our first child. Tina goes into a very long labor. She, we end up in the hospital, and finally the child is there. And it was Taylor. We already had his name picked out. We're ready to roll. I wanted to call him Buford, but Tina wanted to call him Taylor, so she won. And there he is. That's one of the early pictures. You know, we didn't have cameras on our phones back then. So it's like all of our pictures are probably on a roll of film somewhere in a dumpster somewhere. I don't know. But it's hard to find pictures of our kids when they're little. But this is probably the earliest picture we got. And, uh, and then I got another picture. He got his first haircut. There he is. Isn't he cute? Okay. And look at that handsome dude that's there. Man, that was back when I colored my hair. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, that's a pretty powerful thing when you become a father or a mother. And you, you look into their eyes and you go, oh, man, there has to be a God. There has to be a God. I mean, anybody that sees birth that thinks that there isn't a God is like, oh, my gosh, 
Can you not see the evidence right there? But then there's something even more special when your kid has a kid. Here's a picture of our first grandchild. That's Hayden. First day she was born. Uh, I can't tell you how I felt. I so loved. I so love. There's something that's there, right? And so they say, you know, that blood is thicker than water. And blood is powerful. But there's a blood that was shed for us, a blood that unites all of us. It's the blood of Christ. We just received communion. And we realize that when God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, I think of, gosh, me sending my son, me sending my granddaughter, me sending my grandson. That's, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. He so loved the world. Now, the interesting thing is that word, the word world means he loved all of his creation. He loved the cosmos. That's how that word translates as. Everything he created because it all works together. The human beings, nature, the oceans, the sky, everything works together in his creation. And everything screams out his name. But you know, the interesting thing is as, as nature is constantly reaching towards the heavens, there's something that blocks human beings from that connection. And that is this awareness of sin, this awareness of the struggle. It's, it's over the history of man. Man has looked at the struggle of human beings as being a sign that God has forgotten them or that God is mad at them. So if something bad happens in life, if something bad is happening with the weather or something bad is happening with the crops or something bad is happening with the family or there's sickness or disease, it's God's way of punishing. And so our view of our relationship with God is through dysfunction, it will never be healthy. We'll never feel that so loved God. And so Jesus was sent. Jesus was sent to deal with some of that. Now, of course, some of the struggle is because of things that we've done because we are separated from God. And so we don't have restraints and we do things that are harmful for ourselves and harmful for our planet and we're harmful for our friends and harmful for our marriage and our kids and all that kind of stuff. This is just how life works. And then there's this gap or this distance between us and God that needs to be remedied because when we get into rhythm with God, like all of nature is, things become sustainable. Things begin to flourish. When you walk into a rainforest, I love hiking in at Lake Ozette into the um, Cape Alava and going in there back there on the ocean, going through the rainforest and you see all of the ferns and the big trees and all that. It's just beautiful and it doesn't need to be weeded. It doesn't need anything. It is self-sustaining, but it's in rhythm and in harmony with nature, with God. So we, when we get in harmony and we get in rhythm with God, we begin to flourish as well. But we know that there's struggles in life. 
Even in a rainforest, a tree falls and crashes through and destroys other trees and creates quite a commotion. So there, there's a struggle, but that struggle leads to new growth and new life. When Mount St. Helen blew, there was devastation, but then all of a sudden, now if you go back decades later, you see a beautiful, beautiful forest that cannot be compared with other forests because when the struggle comes, it's time for God to do something beautiful. Resurrection. So we see this pattern of resurrection with Jesus. We see it when he comes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He comes in, people receive him. They shout his name. You're the Messiah. You rock. We love you. You're awesome. Within minutes or a couple hours, people are calling him heretic. People arrest him. They try him. They humiliate him. They reject him. They accuse him of things he never did. And they spit on him and laughed at him, mocked him, rejected him. And the interesting thing is all the things that happen to Jesus are the things that happen to us in everyday lives. Now, not all of you have been spit on, but I have. I've been spit on. I remember what it felt like. It was, it was horrible. It was humiliating. We all have the struggles that Jesus went through in some way. Or he experienced the struggles that humanity goes through. Rejection, fear, darkness, abandonment, betrayal, all those things. You ever had any of those things happen to you? You ever had a friend betray you? You ever been abused? You ever had a relationship go south? You ever had an offense that caused you to get bitter? You ever had a situation where you just couldn't forgive? Right? Or you couldn't seem to get forgiven? No matter how hard you tried, your son just wouldn't forgive you? Or your mom wouldn't forgive you? Or your dad you ever had a situation where you struggle with sickness and disease? You, you pray, you, 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 you know that you can be healed, but nothing happens. It just keeps going on and on and on. You ever been in a time of isolation? You ever been involved with a plague or a virus? You've ever had COVID where you wound up in the hospital? I have two friends right now that go to this church that are in the hospital right now. They're hopefully watching right now. Hey, Tom. Hey, Jonathan. Love you guys. Pretty serious. Struggles. We go through struggles. The interesting thing is, when you look at John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. If you study that out in the Greek, it's talking about how God sent ahead someone to be with you in the struggle. To be with you where you fall short. To be with you as you wrestle with life. Okay, he didn't just come to forgive you your sins. Of 
course, that's the start because when you recognize that God isn't mad at you and that he isn't punishing you and that he is on your side, that's a good thing. And so knowing that he's forgiven you your sins, which we all have a number of those, right? Got real quiet in here. Oh, not me. I'm a, you know, I'm an American. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, all the more reason, right? (laughs) but we have struggles that come from the womb to the tomb. We struggle in birth, trying, trying to get out to see what's going on, right? That struggle actually helps us be healthy in the future. The struggle. So struggle isn't necessarily a bad thing. It can feel bad and it can interrupt things. But when you look at this as God sent Jesus, the only begotten son into the world to be with you. So it's like sending a family member over to help another family member go through a challenging time. Like a nurse or a CNA or a hospice worker or a nanny, somebody that comes in to help with the struggles of the family. And so when we take a look at Christianity, we have to recognize that Jesus came to do more than just forgive you of your sins so that you could go to heaven. He came to be with you here on earth so that you can bring heaven to earth. You can bring order from the heavens to earth, right? All right. Let's look at John chapter 20. Jesus, he's been crucified. He wrestles with the darkest of the dark. He goes through an extreme experience on the cross of humiliation, rejection, pain, anguish, difficult breathing, feeling pain from the inside, but also emotional pain, mental pain, torment. Jesus is going through all this stuff that's going on. Then he gets, he dies, he goes to the tomb, he wrestles with the dark of the dark, and then he rises and shows up where his disciples are freaked out because they're thinking if they did that to Jesus, what would they do to us? And look what it says. That Sunday evening, the disciples uh, were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Now, notice this. Here they were. They had a right to be afraid. They were freaking out behind a locked door. And Jesus says, peace be with you. Here's a, here's a truth that will really help you. You don't have to wait until things are good before you can have peace. Did you hear that? Don't wait for everything to be just right. Don't wait till he comes home. Don't wait till you get a clean bill of health. Don't wait till you can take your mask off. Don't wait until it's over for you to have peace. So 
Jesus, the first thing he says is, peace be with you, guys. I know you're struggling. You're afraid. Rightly so. I, could, I felt that fear. I wanted the cup to pass me. I wondered why did God forsake me, but guess what? I'm here. I made it through. And you guys will too. But look what he does next. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. He said, and as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. So he goes and shows them the, the wounds. They're like going, oh my gosh, that is gross. Okay, that had to have hurt. And he's showing them the wounds. Notice the wounds weren't gone. Because our scars tell a story. A story of struggle. A story of wrestling with life. Wrestling with death. It's all part of the human story. You see, the struggle isn't perishing. Perishing is not having anybody to guide you through the struggle and choosing to go your own way and deal with it by self-medicating and isolating and, and refusal to get help, pushing people away, pushing God away, pushing the Spirit away, pushing folks that invite. Some of you are here today, and you're in a struggle, and somebody invited you here, but you said yes. So you allowed somebody to come into your struggle and help you with something. It's powerful. It's very powerful. And so, when we say, God so loved, what are we saying? We're saying, God so loved that he sent Jesus to help you in the struggle. Not to take away the struggle, but to show you how to do it so that the struggle makes you stronger. So that when your wounds are seen, they're not seeing wounds, they're seeing scars. What are they seeing? They're seeing a story that says, I got through this. I didn't do it alone. I got through it with God's help. Resurrection is acknowledging the fact that the struggle is real, but we always rise. We always come up on the other side. That's what struggle, that's what struggle produces is strength. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 says this, I want to know Christ, yes. To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Every time we look to Jesus to help us in the struggle, we can then tell ourselves that there's a resurrection from this struggle. It's not over. We like to use that phrase, the best is yet to come. Why? Because we believe in resurrection. God so loved that he sent Jesus to be with you in the struggle. I don't know what you're struggling with right now. Maybe nothing. But I know you've struggled in the past because I know you were born. You might not remember that struggle, but you struggled. And you will struggle in the future. I'm not trying to prophesy doom and gloom, but it's just a fact. Jesus even said that. He says, hey, persecutions are going to come. Trials are going to come. Don't worry. I'm with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Why? Because I was sent. Because God so loved you. He 
100%. So this morning, I want to invite you to no longer look at your struggles and your, your shortcomings, your sins, the things that have not worked and all that. Don't look at that as something that has caused God to posture himself against you. Look at it as something that God wants to partner in with you and help deliver you out of that darkness and rise up into a new light. Amen? Resurrection is not just a celebration of what Jesus did. It's a celebration of what you now do as a result of what he did for you. He's with you. Now you can go out there and be there for the world. Amen? God, we thank you for your spirit. Lord, we pray that as we move from graves to gardens, from hopelessness to hope, from darkness to light, that you would establish an understanding of resurrection in us. And when we see challenges, we don't look at it as you abandoning us or punishing us, but we look at you as the one that gives us wisdom and strength to endure, to allow resurrection to rise up within us. May the power of your resurrection be on this congregation and those watching online right now. Let them rise like you rose in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, 